Greetings, friends and fellow daemons, and welcome to Daemonosophy. A little while back, I had Stephen Flowers on the program, and he was talking about his book, uh, forthcoming book, Retribalize Now, which emphasizes the need for human society to uh, basically retribalize in our social structures as a way of avoiding um, mass destruction and implosion and all sorts of apocalyptic uh, possibilities, which I'm sure everyone can imagine uh, just from looking at the news today. Well, uh, I got a response on YouTube from Aknad, and it was a fairly lengthy response about this episode. So um, I thought a good way to respond to that, and there's a lot in it. It's a good, detailed, very detailed uh, response and, and, and it, to some extent rebuttal of some of uh, Dr. Flower's points. So I figured I would just um, make an episode of this. So he says the very metaphysic, the base philosophy of the TOS and Levian Satanism runs counter to this whole conception of tribalism as envisioned by Flowers. Tribalism is just another maybe softer, less left-wing way of employing the term collectivism. By principle, there is thus a paradox if you lay claim that you're on the left-hand path, are Satanists, Setian individualist, etc., but then is advocating or striving to make whatsoever receptive ears consider Flowers' very soft description of the necessity of mass neo-tribalism. So um, there's some things in here that that need to be unpacked. One thing is one thing that's happening here is a conflation of the word tribalism with the word collectivism. And what, in fact, makes them very different things is the presence or absence of coercion or force. It is implicit in, and, and sometimes overt, depending on, on the definition and how it's used, um, it is associated with collectivism. Force and control is associated with collectivism. Coercion is associated with collectivism. Tribalism, on the other hand, does not necessarily have a sense of uh, force or coercion within it. Rather, it is implicit that all the associations within tribalism are voluntary or else uh, familial associations, which of course is, is kind of different than voluntary. We don't volunteer to be in our families. But we're not exactly forced to be in families either. So um, it's kind of a gray zone. And so it's a presence or absence of, of force, organized force, that really has to be considered uh, in relation to these terms. And that is ultimately why, um, why it, it, it's not helpful to conflate these terms. When we're trying to talk about them. So let's go to the dictionary before we go any further so everyone doesn't think that I'm just making this all up. So I'm going to look at a couple of different sources. I'm going to look at my concise Oxford dictionary, um, 
which I've busted out here before. Uh, this is a hardbound. It's from 1995. I like going and looking at this. Um, and, and in general, it's kind of a thing with me nowadays. I like to find um, old dictionaries, especially Oxford, at the used bookstore because it's fun looking at how terms are changing over time. So according to 1995, Oxford tribe is a group of especially primitive families or communities linked by social, economic, religious, or blood ties and usually having a common culture and dialect and a recognized leader. And then number two, any similar natural or political division. Three, uh, Roman history, each of the political divisions of the Roman people. And they talk about the 12 tribes of Israel and, and different things. But that number one uh, definition is really the main one. Um, and, and there's nothing in there that implies force or coercion. That this is a voluntary free association of individuals linked by, again, social, economic, cultural ties, uh, dialect, and, and have a, uh, a recognized uh, leadership. So nothing in here requires force. Now, if I go over to the 1995 version of collectivism, uh, it is only one definition, the theory and practice of the collective ownership of land and the means of production. So you can't help but think that this particular definition of collectivism had Marxism in mind when this was written because, first of all, it's, it's, it's called a theory and practice. It's a system. They're not using, they're not defining collectivism as just a, a, a phenomenon, as a, just an adjective of, of, of something that emerges. They're saying this is a specific theory and practice that is designed for collective ownership of land and the means of production. Now, the only way to collectivize ownership of land and, uh, you know, stuff, means of production, is to force it. So it's implicit in the definition there of collectivism, and plus they point to it as being a, real, a specific uh, system, a specific ideology, an ideological system, a theory and a practice. Um, whereas tribalism, um, a, you know, a, a group of families or communities linked by social, economic, religious, blood ties, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, common culture, and dialect, these are things that naturally occur. So this is the thing about tribalism, why a tribe is different than a collective, because a collective is, is, is intentional, it necessitates force, and tribalism doesn't. A tribe just emerges quite naturally. So what a tribe is, is what humans do naturally in the absence of centralized authoritarian systems which force collectivization on a larger scale above and beyond what tribes would emerge naturally anyhow. So that's the difference right there between tribalism and, and collectivism. Now let's go, let's be thorough. I'm going to go look at the modern Merriam-Webster's dictionary. This is from Merriam-Webster's online. 
So we want to say uh, the um, most current. And this is a great example of how these definitions will change over time. Definition of a tribe is a social group comprising numerous families, clans, or generations together with slaves, dependents, or adopted strangers. And then you talk about political division of the Roman people, etc., etc. Now, they don't mention the 12 tribes of Israel in this, in this one, for some reason. And also, I'm sure you noticed, um, they, they threw in the word slaves into here. So... There's certainly a um, <laughs> that, that that certainly makes it sound like really different um, in 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 the modern context. So this has to do, in my view, with the way um, these definitions change over time and reflect uh, certain uh, opinions and needs to necessarily change things over time. The modern Merriam-Webster definition of collectivism is a political or economic theory advocating collective control, especially over production and distribution. So it's not not quite as, you know, obviously influenced by the Communist Manifesto. However, this one uh, really highlights control. So they have the word control in there. Um, and the modern, even the modern definition of tribalism, you wouldn't, there's nothing in here about control or anything. It sounds really um, voluntary uh, until they put the word slaves in here for some reason. So that's the dictionary, a couple of different dictionary views on this. And this is to say that the view that was expressed in this in that episode, and I'm not going to speak for Dr. Flowers, but what I'm going to speak for is my understanding of those, and I think it's fairly clear in the discussion that took place on there um, that this is the the view of it, that tribalism, tribes represent naturally occurring voluntary associations, and that uh, collectivism represents uh, the forcing of, of um, uh, associations and uh, the obedience and, and conformity of people on a mass scale. So it's, it's different than collectivism. And again, the thing that makes it different, and, and this is something I, I keep bringing up, is that what makes a difference is the usage of force. So as long as you think collectivism refers to any sort of you know, working with someone else or connect, co connecting with someone else. You know, if you think getting a job is subscribing to collectivism, or if you think shaving your head and, and going to a punk rock show is a form of collectivism just because other people are shaving their heads, or if you think going home to visit your parents for Thanksgiving is a form of collectivism this is a misusage of that term uh, it, it provides no value to anything to call this collectivism or to say that you know you're you're participating in in group think uh, it's a, an extreme and, and reactive way of of understanding how people connect how groups form how tribes form how voluntary association works it's not 
the, the, the key for judging these things is not whether they are the same. It's not a matter of, oh, they're all wearing black, so they're all collective. It's, it's, it's not that things look or sound the same. It's rather whether they're voluntary or whether they're being forced into it, whether there's coercion present in some way or another. That's what makes the difference. And we touched on this a little bit. The thing about tribes and tribalism, if you go you know, start looking into some of these ideas out there, there's a couple of uh, resources I'm going to mention that have had a really big influence out there in the world of uh, leadership, entrepreneurialism, and success literature. One of these is a fellow named Seth Godin, who wrote a book called Tribes. And Seth Godin's great. I like a lot of his stuff. He starts to lose me when he gets hypercritical of the Industrial Revolution. However, um, he has wrote a book called Tribes, and and he has a lot of great insights on on tribes and what tribes are. And he basically defines it, I want to say, as any group that's under 200 people that have you know, these same common features as, as um, you know, you find in the dictionary definition. They have the same, you know, similar language or similar, you know, cultural vibe or similar interests or something like that. And um, so really everyone in society has like many tribes that they associate with voluntarily. So your work tribe, your religion tribe, your school tribe, your music tribe, your art tribe, your, you know, so on and so forth. Lots of tribes, and it's people that you know. It's all your tribes are all conform comprised of people who know each other uh, directly and personally um, to some extent, or maybe a couple of degrees of of uh, separation from each other, but all voluntary. Another good resource for this is. A book called Tribal Leadership by a guy named David Logan. And there's some crossover here. There's some similar ideas about what tribes are and how tribes form and the idea that they are voluntary. But then he also goes into uh, different levels of tribalism, uh, different uh, tribal leadership levels. There are different stages that uh, organizations go through. And I highly recommend this book because it will... If you read this, it will immediately shed light on the different interactions that you have with people and how you can maximize those interactions, not just for yourself, but for them as well, for, for your tribe. And also, something I've talked about before is uh, uh, how to identify a dumb tribe. A dumb tribe is one that where the inertia of, of ignorance and not wanting to evolve has become so strong that the tribe is pulled down by the inertia and it's not really going to ever evolve and so you have to learn when to leave um, a tribe like this and i've talked about the pattern of luciferian exodus in regard to this that the mythology of lucifer and the rebellious angels leaving the central authority structure of heaven is a uh, mythological pattern representing this realization of dumb tribes and the need to leave 
tribes. When once you realize that um, uh, a tribe is never going to e evolve somewhere, then then you'll you'll have to leave it. And so this is a great part of the story too to help you understand the difference between tribes and collectivism. Is that the what they were trying to the dumb tribe they were trying to get away from was essentially becoming a collective, the kingdom of heaven, a central authority was uh, typified by force and coercion. This is the whole story of Milton's Paradise Lost. This is the theme in the Diabolicon. That central authority and God and the angels was forceful and coercive. And they said, this is what we're going to do with man. This is what man has to do. You must do this. And you Oh, you rebellious angels, you must do this or else it's fucking war. And perhaps there's a deeper message in here about how a tribe can turn into a collective when certain um, elements within it, groups within it, decide to start using force on everyone else. But of course, this ruins it. This makes it not a tribe. It makes it a dumb tribe, and then it makes it a collective. So, so that's the difference right there. So, so getting back to Aknod's message. Ever since Trump got elected, I've been listening, reading what various shades on the political spectrum of right, left, and center have been saying, and Flowers' idea has been tossed in the trash already in regards to the current sociopolitical climate in the U.S., so I have to agree with Aknod here. This that's absolutely true. The right, left, and center, and, and I don't know what he means by center. If I if I disagree with anything in this statement, I'd be like, what, what do you mean center? I don't know if we even have that anymore. Um, right, left, and center. If he means a center political system, like he thinks that I don't know, social democrats are in the center or something. I don't know. But it, as long as it's it's political, then it then yeah, it's already trashed uh, the idea of tribes of voluntary associations possibly being the uh, the way forward. And I think that that really that's part of what um, Dr. Flowers was rebelling against with the idea of uh, retribalize now. Um, that you know perhaps we could have some kind of great shock or, or awakening that. Uh, people realize the the need to return to um, tribalism, but you see, if I I think that you could leave this tribalism goal out of it, and if you could say, people just need to get back to uh, personal responsibility, and 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 a voluntary society, and allow a central authority of the state to fall away just like we allow the central authority of the church to fall away in the enlightenment and if if that's allowed to fall away if we get back to uh sound money and 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 you know sound uh free currency and um you know free free thought and and free association then we would naturally tribalize. People would just naturally retribalize. We're trying to retribalize all the time because it's our instincts as human beings to form voluntary associations with others whom we can derive mutual benefit from uh, by exchanging with. 
Yeah, he continues. I mean, Alice Dare McIntyre talked about this way back in the early 80s when he first wrote After Virtue, arguing for the social necessity of communitarianism. So I didn't know who uh, Alistair uh, McIntyre was until I read this. So I wasn't sure what he meant by this. I mean, he was just dropping this quote like, like we're in... Um, a university class studying Alistair McIntyre. But anyhow, so I went and looked up Alistair McIntyre here and this book, After Virtue, published in 1981. Uh, and this is on Wikipedia. Probably his most widely read work, After Virtue, was written when McIntyre was already in his 50s. Up to then, McIntyre had been a relatively influential analytic philosopher of Marxist bent, whose moral inquiries have been conducted in a piecemeal way, focusing first on this problem, then that, uh, in a mode characteristic of much analytical philosophy. McIntyre's Philippic articulates a politics of self-defense for local communities who aspire to protect their traditional way of life from the corrosive capitalist free market. So um, I think that this, just looking at this on the surface, I think that this is a reference to, and and I think Aknad is, is referring to, and probably a little more steeped in uh, communitarianism, which um, I, it sounds to me very similar to what I've also heard called uh, synd syndicalism like left socialism, syndicalism, and, and, and the idea that um, certain group by certain groups getting together and dropping out of society and creating little communist-like groups that the, eventually that this will um, shake away the system. So here's the irony about that is actually, no, that's a form of like tribalism. That, that is a, that, that I, I think that's part of like what um, is the challenge is with the idea of retribalize now. You want to live in a in a group in a tribe where there's collective ownership of everything, then you could leave society. You could, or you could, you know, go out in the forest and and live together that way um, if you want to. There's Amish people who've been doing that for centuries. So why don't all of the Marxists? Just go do that. No one's stopping them. Well, it's because they know that it's never going to work, that it would never work unless you force everyone else to do it. And and that's why the mainstream of, of Marxism and communism is, has been to work through the establishment to obtain um, control of the government. Um, control of the means of production was how Marx talks about it in the Communist Manifesto, but basically, you know, nowadays it's been reinterpreted into uh, taking control of the, the government and the decision-making and the education system. But I digress. He says, fast forward to post-election of Trump and the rise of the alt-right and a good nine months after Charlottesville, the system and the far left made it clear to white identitarians pro-white advocates that their public exhibition of collectivism was no more 
Now the intellectuals of the alt-right are pretty much either black-pilled or ready to deal with gradual white demographic decline. That's the demographic truth for this country. I don't see the future. Mixed-race U.S. citizen caring about rune magic or the legacy of the Anglo-Saxons. This is what happens when you create a nation that justifies freedom, liberty, equality. Individualism destroys nations ultimately. But if you're a libertarian and cap-inclined person, then national cultural rootlessness is fine. I, I, I don't know what the guy's point is at this point. You know, there's a point in this email where I thought that he was a Marxist and he's anti, or, you know, he could be a radical leftist and he's anti-alt-right, but now it sounds like he's unhappy about nation and identity being eroded. You know, he says, miscegenation is never a problem, like race mixing is never a problem. I could go on and on. There's way too many paradoxes here. Either you're an individualist and thus will have to put up with the changes to your nation slash those who you thought were your kindreds, or you place yourself into some community tribe and live in accordance with some accepted and unquestioned doctrine. This is all a dog biting its own tail. So I I, I think ultimately he's, he's dropping some information about this and that. And so I, I, I'm not going to try and judge where he's coming from or that there's any kind of ulterior motive here. But what, what we see here in the end is, is, is again, he thinks there's only two solutions here, or there's only two possibilities there's a way of an of, of the individualist in which case you just resign yourself to watch the world crumble around you because if you're an individual you can't have connections with people so you just got to watch everything like fall apart or you put yourself in into a, a collective he says a community slash tribe but he thinks it's the same thing as collectivism because you live in accordance with some accepted and unquestioned doctrine so you know i'm going to say that there's there, there's not these two extreme examples so people just get totally stuck on the individual i'm only ever going to do my own thing i'm not going to always i'm always going to just be off on myself and be an island it's like no one is like that no, because you talk to people, you have to communicate with people, and so you just you're naturally going to form tribes. So really, I mean, tribes really are the middle ground between the two extreme scenarios that 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 he's talking about here. And I think that's really the challenge of what uh, Flowers is putting out there in his work is is to see that. And and I feel pretty confident that. Um, this is the headspace that he's coming from, but I mean, you'd have to like ask him yourself to see what he thinks. But, um, one of the things that we talked about in that episode is the idea in, um, Zoroastrianism, which is become an increasingly significant part of his work. There's this, that fundamental idea that your existence in this world is voluntary, the reason you're here is based on a on a voluntary decision and your personal responsibility for bringing your own ass here. So, what that means is that since since voluntariness, voluntarism, and you know free will or true will, thelema, is the fundamental nature of being human. 
then it is also the fundamental good of human, of being human. And therefore, coercion, violation of that freedom, is the fundamental bad thing. And that is what Angra Mainyu, the angry mind, is. So, you know, clearly, when he's talking about tribalizing, he's talking about a voluntary free thing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident. So, anyhow, that's what I think about all that. The promise of, you know, as he says, Setianism, Satanism, individualism, is that by taking personal responsibility for your own existence, you will begin to not only create yourself anew, but you will begin to charge and energize your personal relationships with others in the world. You will begin to form new tribes that are powerful, that are robust, that are successful, and that you can do this without using force on people, without using coercion, without using manipulation, by embracing the truth that you find within yourself, by embracing the uh, fire within you and holding that fire aloft, you will illuminate the darkness and illuminate the truth and the way and the possibilities for, for those around you with eyes to see. So it's, it's, it's nothing but virtue to find this within yourself, to uh, in, embrace what Aristotle called magnanimousness, the good soul, to strive towards the eudaemon, the alignment of your of your daemon with the self and alignment of your actions and ideas with your core values to be an integrated personal person. There's nothing but um, n there there's nothing but the world to gain in making these steps for yourself right here, right now. And retribalization is all something that will follow along as as a part of the natural unfolding of this radical new approach to life, the universe, and everything. So until next time, my friends, keep fighting the good fight and keep the dark fires burning. <laughs>